This is a Snow India production and you are listening to Climate Emergency. Hi everyone, this is Rakesh here, your host for Climate Emergency podcast. In this episode we will be talking about textiles and sustainability. So I thought I'll bring in some context. Historically, India has been a handloom wearing country. Even Gandhi ji took out the non-cooperation movement and many then shifted to handlooms. Handlooms are not easily available and would take time and were relatively expensive. It's actually impressive that people actually weave their own clothes and we can't even sew a button properly. But with changing times, we have started to see the change, right? Uh, as a kid in 1980s and 1990s, uh, we would buy only during festivals or birthdays. My father used to get a big piece of cloth during Diwali and we would go to the tailor to get them stitched. Sometimes my brother and I used to have the same kind of clothes because of that. My parents might have thought it looked cute, but I don't think it was. <laughs> Believe me. Anyway, now we buy clothes for no reason. We buy what we feel like, we buy because there's a sale and not necessarily because we need it. We have a wardrobe full of clothes but still feel we don't have enough to wear. The number of times we wear the same clothes has also come down drastically and the number of clothes we throw away has increased. But what does buying clothes have to do with climate change you may ask? To talk about this we have today with us Dr. Monica Gera, founder of one for blue with us. Hi, Monica. So can you give uh, a brief background about yourself? Uh, hi, Rakesh. Uh, thank you for having me over. And I'm Dr. Monica, founder of One for Blue. So all through my growing up years, I have been surrounded by nature and wildlife. So there's always been the strong bond with nature that I've enjoyed. Uh, I moved to Mumbai in 2006 after marriage. And since my husband is also a wildlife enthusiast, we happen to sneak out to some wildlife location every time we get a chance. Um, and we have been lucky to have experienced the best tiger sightings and we have been to the great birding sites in India. And we have seen the corals of Andamans and all of that. So on one such trip uh, to Velas, which is a small village in Ratnagiri, and it is unknown to many, even in Mumbai, I'm sure. So where we were expecting to witness the hatchling of olive ridley sea turtles. So the experience of baby turtles crawling to the sea edged in our hearts forever. And that's where the idea of One for Blue took root. So uh, I have seen your website. In fact, my wife bought a, a t-shirt from your uh, uh, company, One for Blue. And I love it. Yeah. The quality of it is really good. And it also feels Fine. good that, you know, uh, it's it's made out of, uh, partly recycled clothing, right? Uh, yeah, it's actually 100% recycled. And thank you so much, Rakesh. I think even uh, my daughter also has a beautiful shirt. Uh, I, I really like the quality of it. And I, I, I also wanted to understand uh, what made you start One for Blue. And um, I on your website, you say that, you know, there's water saved and plastic saved because of the process that you use. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so like I mentioned, this idea uh, started only when we were in this small little village called Velas and we had gone for a you know weekend trip with our friends and it was just a weekend trip nothing more but you know to the positive surprise that we have sea turtle nesting in India 
And frankly, I'm not sure many of us wouldn't be aware that India is a global nesting hotspot for sea turtles. So we were very pepped and enthusiastic about the trip, which is uh, like 200 kilometers from Mumbai. And even if you were to have all the information from Google, such experience always bring an element of awe with them. So we reached Velas about 5 a.m. And within an hour, everyone was headed to the hatchery. Hatchery is a small place where they have all these nests and they, they cover it with some thatched baskets so that they, you know, prevent it from aerial predators and other predators like birds and dogs and uh, seagulls, eagles. So we reached there at 5 a.m. in the morning and immediately after a round of uh, tea, we re- rushed to the hatchery, uh, hoping that we'll see a lot of hatchlings there. And hatchlings are released like twice a day, morning and evening. So on the beach, uh, on this hatchery, uh, we, uh, this guy, the one who was a volunteer with the hatchery, he was looking for these sea turtles and they picked up a basket just to see if there are hatchings. So there were like 18 hatchlings crawling under that basket. And in time, the basket was removed and, and we got our first glance at these tiny creatures. It was beautiful. But at the same time, it was very discomforting because they are very tiny and you know, such fragile babies without a mother around to protect them and a whole beach to crawl over to the shore. So the story of sea turtle is so magical to say the least. So no, no wonder only one in 1000 hatchlings survived to adulthood. Uh, we talk of human evolution, but sea turtles have been around since the dinosaurs. So that's over 100 million years. And yet it was amazing to witness this bond with Mother Earth that's, that, that's lasted all this while. Uh, probably some kind of trust in nature that remains unshakable that their mothers never felt the need to be around, never felt insecure. And yet sea turtles are going extinct at an unprecedented rate. And that's where you and I and every action of our plays a role. So it's, it's, it's tragic to see all the trash polluting our beaches. And yes, I've participated in beach cleanups, but it's like addressing one part of the problem and not the root cause. So other root cause is that we are consuming our resources at a much faster rate than the planet can regenerate. So if you look up for Earth Overshoot Day, you'd know how this pace is increasing every single year. Earth Overshoot Day marks the day to when our demand for ecological resources and services in a year exceeds what the earth can regenerate in that particular year. So like, uh, for example, in 2021, we barely scraped through seven months of the year when we hit earth overshoot day on 29th of July. So we believe earth overshoot day is the best barometer of our collective ability as a species living on this planet. Uh, The question, therefore, is uh, how can we utilize our resources better, more efficiently with a single agenda to extract less of them from the planet? As we went about researching how to reduce this impact, fashion as an industry stood out for three reasons. It's high environmental impact, it's relevant to every human being, and it's ability as a medium of communication. So fashion is one of the most resource-intensive industries on planet Earth and one of the biggest producers of waste. We were convinced that driving resources efficiency isn't possible with a niche business. It had to be something that touches every individual. Also, 
it's got to carry this uh, virality which gives it this ability to, of uh, self propelling so that more people can join the tribe uh, as for that thanks again for having me on this podcast today and helping us reach your listeners i hope they find the session informative and helpful uh, uh, so one for blue as the name suggests is about coming together for planet earth we strive to drive resource efficiency in the textile value chain at one for blue uh, we believe every single positive action is a potential game changer to help keep our planet healthy uh, we make clothes with recycled yarns avoiding any need for land to grow the new cotton crop or uh, use of some of the most harmful pesticides in the world which have at time proved fatal for our farmers while polluting our water bodies from where you know these could seep into our food chain and above all saving all the water that is typically required for growing the cotton crop uh, several studies peg the water content of a basic t-shirt at 2700 liters like that's that's really a lot that's about a year's supply of drinking water for a family of 3 to 4 people top that with the fact that india faces acute water shortage every year while being the leading manufacturer of cotton that clothes 25% of the world so by giving a new life to pre consumer fabric waste we at one for blue help save all these resources so cotton fibers are the process includes the cotton fibers are mechanically extracted from shop floor waste and they're blended with recycled polyester which is made from uh, post post consumer pet bottles giving us a sustainable fabric and we call it kind cotton since it's kind on our planet on the earth every t-shirt we make helps save the 2700 liters of water consumed by your regular cotton t-shirt uh, while also recycling six pet bottles that's helping you reduce your plastic footprint as well so an average person consumes around 90 liters of water in a day for various needs like drinking bathing cooking cleaning etc etc so that's again close to 2700 liters of water used in a month's time so by choosing one for blue t-shirt you can save enough water to last you a month that's why we fondly call our t-shirts the neutrality the t-shirt that can help you go water neutral for a whole month so that is how we are saving all the resources the water uh, that's that's big numbers there <laughs> 2700 liters uh, six pet bottles yeah. i didn't know the fashion industry uh, use so much water i mean i know um, the dyeing industry or you know pollutes uh, because of the uh, systems that we have uh, for ages that it, it pollutes the ganga river mainly right where we hear a lot about uh, how fashion is uh, but you know what according to you is uh, sustainable fashion uh, correct me if i'm wrong and uh, why uh, is it important sustainable fashion is an oxymoron you see sustainability demands durability and long term usability of products and at the same time fashion refers to the latest trends and prevailing customs at a point in time so we prefer the term sustainable clothing while while it still comes with the same level of dynamism it it helps us keep our preferences very clear uh, a staggering of 100 billion items of clothing are produced every year that's nearly 14 items for every human being on the planet 
and clothing production in the last 15 years as the usable life of clothes has halved thanks to the fast fashion which has taken the world by storm so there is hell lot of uh, garments are produced every year so at one for blue sustainable clothing isn't just a product sustainable clothing is a partnership between our brand as we pledge to consistently deliver environment positive products that are durable and long lasting and our customers who are committed to conscious product usage they were dispensing with the need of buying something that they don't need the extra clothing that we all have in our wardrobes a brand that can make a great product but the onus of taking action lies squarely with the customer even sustainable products can only go so far without consumers understanding the need to evolve with their consumption habits so which is why information and education becomes an integral part of a sustainable enterprise the larger idea for sustainable clothing is twofold educating customers about conscious buying and providing adequate product choices to match their aspirations from time to time our wardrobe is that one side of our life that can move the needle on the climate action fast and easy if we were to make an intelligent choice so sustainable clothing gains importance in that context so it 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 is each one of us as a consumer who can bring a change you say uh, you know there's like 100 billion items of clothing that is produced or 14 items per every human being on planet that's so much clothing right and clothing also generates a lot of waste uh, what are all the waste the waste is generated by textile industry if you could elaborate on that yes so uh, rakesh if uh... even us look into our wardrobes we find so many clothes that we don't wear for various reasons like whether we don't like them they are out of fashion or we don't fit in them anymore so i know oh, i have <laughs> i have my wedding dress which i don't actually fit in but it's still there and you'll find many more i'm sure not just the wedding dress <laughs> yeah so yeah and with fashion and trending change and you know all the fast fashion brands they they urge you so much to go and buy a new clothes every day yeah so yeah so do we really need all that garments no so like it's all waste at the end of the day because we are not using it so textile waste can broadly be split into two kinds of waste it's it's pre consumer waste and a post consumer waste so pre consumer waste is that which gets created in the production and sale of a garment while post consumer waste largely results from you know evolving consumer behaviors and attitudes towards use of their garments like we just mentioned we have so many clothes and we don't use them so and it is also on the municipal bodies and how their abilities and their commitment to recycle textile waste that ends up in landfills both these are equally important so we did a small landfill mapping exercise with a leading mumbai based ngo where we realized that our largest landfills are at the edge of the water bodies and while the share of textile waste is pegged at almost 60% of landfill waste there's a high possibility that a large share of waste from our landfills is actually entering the oceans in more ways than one we one would expect so including through leaching of chemicals also into the sea 
pre-consumer waste includes water waste effluents, scraps, damaged or defective materials, samples, fabric salvages, uh, leftover fabrics from the cutting process. So on an average, about uh, 15 to 20% of fabric used in garment production is cut, discarded, and wasted. And post-consumer waste stems from both used and unused products discarded by customers and from industrial fabric applications. So conventionally, old clothing at home was used for other household activities as a mop or a duster. But with fast fashion, a large share of garments are now made from man-made materials like polyester, which is non-biodegradable and of limited household use. So old textiles as increasingly being discarded to landfills. We usually think that recycled materials come from pre-used fabrics and garments, but the truth is exactly the opposite. Recycled fabrics are made from pre-consumer waste, like leftover fabrics and fabric cuttings. So you mean uh, recycled fabrics are made from uh, scraps and you know uh, leftover pieces from major garments? What happens to all these scraps? Uh, so yeah, we believe that they are made from pre-used, which is like they are consumed and then we you know convert them and recycle them and make uh, you know uh, we recycle the used fabrics but whereas what happens is the fabric which is not used while you know manufacturing process or you know it's surplus or leftover or there is a defect or something that is recycled and it's it's pre-consumer it's not used by anybody so this is the leftover fabrics and cuttings which is converted and recycled into new fabric. Okay, so this is uh, never used cloth. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, okay, it's leftover for scraps. I mean, what happens to it otherwise? So otherwise, in general, what happens when they are recycled? No, they are actually downcycled. So uh, while one might believe that recycling of scrap and waste is a very, very easy and a straightforward opportunity to reduce textile waste, but it comes with far more complexity than one on the face of it. So there are two key aspects. One that textiles are not made with a single base material. We have cotton, polyester, silk, elastine, and various other materials that could make up a garment. Two, there's a long list of non-fabric components like sewing threads, beads, buttons, braids, interfacing, tapes, trims, lot many other things. And we should not forget the print which is integrated into a piece of clothing. Uh, so since every fiber is different, so is its recycling. Accordingly, recycling of fibers requires careful segregation and consolidation of textile waste, which is a very human intensive process. There's no automated process to segregate the many physically different integrations and then split apart the base fibers that make up a garment. Uh, while significant research is underway, the options available are very limited and cannot support the large volumes of material required by the fashion industry. So whatever small portion that does get recycled is largely downcycled into low-value products like rugs, mops, mats, durries, uh, which really limit the potential of the resources invested in the making of textiles and are subsequently burned in waste to energy factories. The life the longevity of those products are also very small. So there's a lot of work that this industry will need, but it all starts with each one of us 
us as a consumer who can make a choice to choose wisely and you know choose the brands who are leaving no strings attached to the wasteful ways of fast fashion so uh, i mean even when anyone thinks of textile waste we think of it like a single unit but like you said you know <laughs> we don't necessarily think of the threads beads or you know uh, the different chemicals that are used the different kinds of material all put together um, it becomes really like you said you know it probably really becomes difficult to segregate and process all these wastes as well uh, and uh, because of all this fashion industry is one of the largest generators of waste right and uh, with also like with new trends styles different kinds of clothing um, different kinds of synthetic clothing that can't even be recycled so how do you control this waste what do you think is a better way to do so first of all the only way to control waste is to generate consumer consciousness we all should be educated and aware about the impact of fast fashion or you know non natural fibers or materials and the impact of it on the environment so this reminds me of a famous quote by vivian westwood buy less choose well make it last if i were to add to this i'd ask every person the repair and reuse bit the going phrase is sustainable clothing fashion and sustainability going hand in hand remains a distant dream but one that can be delivered only when the largest clothing companies on the planet come together on a single platform to jointly drive resource reuse or optimum use of optimum use of the resources which you can imagine being a non starter of sorts although there's always hope something might work even if in parts i agree some i hope something works in parts <laughs> yeah so it's about just you know making little changes here and there you really don't need to do anything perfectly you can uh, always do small little things which whatever is possible but yeah awareness and consciousness is required yeah i i strongly believe that individual responsibility uh, is what also drives policy uh, at the end of the day so uh, how can the government support less polluting clothing let us hope that you know more and more people start demanding it and what can government do uh, especially there's lot of msmes dependent on subsidiary businesses like uh, dyeing industry uh, so yeah. what can be done to move these polluting industries from uh, and you know supporting these non polluting industries yeah so government has always been a big supporter of the textile industry like through interest subsidies which were offered to capital investments as india took on to the world to gain global market share over the last few decades so the scheme seems to have lost teeth now with the large players so promoting upstarts working towards positive change is the way to go but brands and manufacturing are a different ball game so the vision of the government in this case would need to be aligned with brands instead of manufacturing as there is an equal requirement for working on the demand side as on the supply side of the situation so you know uh, when we talk about sustainable clothing uh, it, you directly think of it as an expensive clothing and with you know especially during festive seasons we see prices at rock bottom uh, how do you <laughs> yeah the hats yeah. you know promoting fast fashion and they yeah how do you expect people to buy more expensive clothes 
and you know i also find it so strange that uh, people uh, tailors in you know like we used to have you know uh, kids we would go give the clothes to tailor to stitch and now if i go to a tailor it probably cost me a lot more to get a shirt stitched than buy it online uh, <laughs> that's yeah, true so uh, how do you um, you know fight this battle of um, inexpensive clothing being dumped by major uh, companies that's not entirely true uh, though i agree that pricing of sustainable product options is uh, on the higher side compared to their commercially available counterparts uh, the important thing to recognize here is the need for educating customer in a crowded market which is time consuming and requires significant investment in content so the day sustainability becomes well understood these barriers would fall faster than one can imagine and in all probability uh, making sustainability as affordable as regular products so uh, a, a lot of sustainable clothing becomes a little expensive because you know we are educating customers and reaching to customers is little expensive today in the online uh, buying market so looks like a long way but with awareness rising from all quarters including electric vehicles green energy vegan food we believe the future is nearer than one would uh, today imagine so meanwhile we should keep up our stamina for a marathon run in, run in sustainability perfect marathon run in sustainability sounds like a good word to <laughs> end it i hope you have uh, you know lot more energy to generate awareness create better products and you know fight this war uh where you are creating better product yeah and not to forget that earth is a planet with finite resources so it's on us to use it wisely we need to reduce reduce recycle whatever suits you it's about taking that one small step in the right direction so yes so one for blue is helping you to make that right wardrobe choices and that small step to make a larger impact like Fashion is the second most polluting industry in the world after petroleum. Thank you for listening to this episode of Climate Emergency. You can listen to more episodes on our website sunoindia.in or on any other podcast platform of your choice. Suno India is an independent media platform and it relies on you our listener to support us. So kindly visit the contribute page on our website sunoindia.in. Thank you.